0: Hey, thanks so much for listening to Sandals Church. Our vision as a church is to be real with ourselves, God, and others. We hope you enjoy this message. Hi guys, welcome to Sandals Church. I'm so glad you are joining us today from a campus or from wherever it is that you are. We are in a series called Holy Shift, Holy Shift. And I know some of you are like, holy what? My own dad, my own dad said, you know, I don't think I like this series. I don't know what Fredo's thinking. And I was like, dad, Fredo's preaching my sermon series. He was like, oh, okay, well, I'll pray about it. I'll pray about it. So when it was Pastor Fredo, my dad was super concerned, but it was me. He's like, okay, I'm going to hang around. (laughs) But some of you guys, you're like, holy, what exactly? That's the point. It's supposed to be jarring. It's supposed to grab your attention. Man, we should be piquing people's curiosity with our messages, with our sermons, with what it is that we want to do in 2022. Now, here's the thing that breaks my heart. This series is called Holy Shift, More Than a Resolution. Okay. And here's the thing. So many people are against resolutions, particularly Christians. Christianity today says 70% of Christians oppose resolutions. What is wrong with us? And you know why you oppose a resolution? You don't know what it is. A resolution is a firm, a firm decision to do or not to do something. That's a good thing. Okay? And you're like, no, I don't believe in resolutions. Really? You just nailed 2021? Like maybe you should be up here preaching. Like you should tell us how, how we should all live. Like 2021 was rough, amen? It was rough. I mean, when is your book coming out? Okay? When are you gonna, gonna teach us on TikTok just the ways of, of the world in which we should live? All of us need to be getting better. Hopefully in 2021, you learned I shouldn't do that. Hopefully in 2021, you learn, you know what? Maybe I should start doing this. But why are we, particularly as Christians, so resistant to change? When I went to seminary, my pastor said, Matt, when you go to seminary, listen to this. This was his advice. If it's something new, it's not for you. But it rhymes, (laughs) right? You know, I mean, it's kind of like some of the dumb things we've said, like silence is violence. Why? Because it rhymes. You know, please just yell at me. Don't beat me up, right? I mean, it's not the same thing. But he said, if it's something new, it's not for you. Now, here's the problem. I didn't know anything. So it was all new. That's why I was going to seminary to learn how to teach you the Bible. Aren't you glad that I was open to some new things? What if I just stood there? I know everything. Okay, that'd have been a problem. But Christian authors are echoing this. One of my friends, you know, heard about this in Christianity Today and she did her own post. And she found exactly the same thing. Only 30% of Christians want change in 2022. 70% of us have firmly decided to not change, which by the way is a resolution. I will not make a resolution this year. That's a resolution. And this breaks my heart. The gospel, Christianity, Jesus is an invitation to change. That's what it is. That's what faith is. If you like exactly the way you are today, you don't like anything that Jesus is today. Look, I was meeting with a young leader in our church. A young leader in our church, he's male, he's young. He's battling with lust. Why? He's male, he's young. And so I just asked him, I just asked him, I said, how many times did you look at porn in 2021? He wasn't ready for that question but you know what? I appreciate him, he was honest. He said maybe 30 times. And some of you are like, oh my God. Some of you look at like 30 times a week. Instead of judging him, you need to learn to judge yourself and you need to learn to change yourself. And then I asked him this question. I said, how many times do you think I looked at porn in 2021? He put his head down he said, zero. I said, you're right, what happened? I'll tell you what happened. I made a resolution years ago. I made a resolution. I made a firm decision, okay? It's not that I don't struggle with lust, okay? I am a man, not so young, but I am a man. I do struggle with lust, but I've learned that what God's word is always true. And if he says it's not for me, then I trust him. And so we say, "Well, I don't think we need to make resolutions." Well, Job disagrees with you. In Job 31:1, he said this, "I made a covenant with my eyes not to look with lust at a not to look with lust at a young woman." Some of you guys are getting frustrated, you're getting older, you're like, "I don't know why my vision's so bad." God's trying to help you. He's just like, "Yeah, I can't even lust anymore." I can't do it. Praise God. So listen to me. Here's what Job is saying in Job 31.1. He's making a resolution. A resolution is a public statement. It's the same thing that Jesus calls you to. If you're gonna believe in him, at the end of the service today, I'm gonna give you an opportunity to make a resolution and say, Jesus, I'm ready to repent and believe in you. That's a holy shift about something you intend to change. When you get married, that's a resolution. You said vows, you said words and they're supposed to mean something. And so today, we're gonna look at a holy shift that occurs in a guy by the name Paul's life. And this is one of the most profound, important texts for us as we move forward in 2022. And each week, I'm going to give you a shift that I'm gonna challenge you to make. And today's shift is a shift in perspective. Some of you are firmly planted in viewing the world the wrong way. You're doubling down on stupid, and somebody like I don't like that word stupid. <laughs> well, you might not like it, but it's accurate. I can't tell you how many people I see double down on dumb, and that's what some of you are doing. You want God to change your life, but you don't let Him change anything in your life. Paul says this in Philippians three eight through eleven. We're going to read through it, and then we're going to unpack it. Paul says this, indeed, I count everything as loss, everything as loss in comparison to the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus as my savior. He says, for his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and I count them rubbish in order that I might gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. Listen to this, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection, and I may share in his sufferings. Here's the change, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible, I might attain the resurrection from the dead. What do you need to shift today? The Apostle Paul said, everything in my life has had to shift so I can experience the gift that Jesus Christ is offering me. You see, some of you want the gift of heaven, but you don't want the change of heaven. You don't get the gift without the change. And let me just ask you this. Why would we all want to go to heaven if none of us change? No, thank you. That's called hell. Hell is the place where people who said, nope, God, I don't need to change. Heaven is the place where people looked at their lives and they said, I need to change. Maybe 2022 is the year where you say, my marriage is gonna change. My finances are gonna change. My addictions are going to change. My relationships are gonna change. My friendships are gonna change for the better. But unfortunately, some of you are gonna go, nope, I'm doubling down on dumb. And I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing. And I'm going to hope for a miracle. You know the miracle that most of us need? Is we need to wake up and invite God to change us. God, would you change me? That's a holy shift. So here's the first shift in perspective I want you to think about. Number one, here's the change that needs to occur in your life and my life. The shift that God wants in my life is how I see what the world has to offer in comparison to Jesus. We compare everything, don't we? We compare cars, homes, spouses, kids, clothes, jobs, intelligence. We compare everything. When's the last time you compared something to Jesus? He says, indeed, I count everything as a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Paul says, I'm losing that life. I am sucking at life. He's not buying a house. He didn't buy a car. He's not getting married. He doesn't have 2.4 kids. He's tanking. His mother's embarrassed. What is wrong with you, Paul? Get married. You're embarrassing the family. Grow up, Paul. Why? For his sake. He said, I have suffered the loss of all things and I count them as rubbish. Why? Not that the world doesn't have anything to offer, the world does. When Satan tempted Jesus, he offered real things. Listen to me, parents. Don't tell your children the world has nothing to offer. Teach them to compare what the world has to offer to what Jesus is offering. Why? Why does he count it as loss? Why does he count it as rubbish? In order that I may gain Christ. You see, some of you, listen to me right now. You are giving up what you want most for what you want now. Jesus was hungry, and so the devil tempted him with bread. He was hungry! But he said, man shall not live by bread alone, but every every word that comes from the mouth of God. Jesus was offered, listen to me, real bread. And he was really hungry. But he compared it to the surpassing worth of God, his father, and what God was offering him. I want to talk a lot. And those of you who've been at Sandals for years, you know this. I'm going to keep talking about it because you forget it. I want to talk to you about this word rubbish. The word in the Greek is skubalon. Okay, skubalon and it's translated in English, in the ESV, in the NASB. These are very accurate texts as rubbish. But you're not British. You don't know what that is. I think we have like two people from Britain that watch. You know what it is. The rest of us are just confused. The NLT, a translation I love, translated as garbage. The King James version, amen, the authorized version translate it as dung you're like what dung but here's what i want you to know this is the only time in the entire christian bible that the word scooballin is used it's the only time i believe the apostle paul listened to me as being intentionally vulgar here and i think the english word should be crap and some of you are offended at holy shift when you need to be convicted by this word, holy crap. It should be used. It should be used. It should be changed. We should run around, make t-shirts, as says, Happens, amen? <laughs> You're full fool of scooballing. <laughs> Here's the thing you need to know about the church of Philippi. Now, some of you, I love you, you don't know your Bibles the way that you should, so I'm gonna help you out. In Acts chapter 16, we see the apostle Paul goes to Philippi. Some of you guys don't know this, but the city of Philippi is an important city. It's a powerful city. It's a wealthy city. It's a city of distinction. It's a city that made Rome, Rome. You see, the guy who made Rome, Rome was Julius Caesar. And he was stabbed in the back by two of his friends, Brutus and Cassius. And two other guys, in the name of Rome, Mark Antony and Octavius, went to war with Brutus and Cassius, and they defeated them. You wanna know What city? philippi that's where rome became rome these are battle-tested battle-hardened men that have served the kingdom of rome these are soldiers they know what scubain is and they're sick of your scooballin <laughs> and so the apostle paul writes this letter from prison in rome to the servants of the roman empire and he says it's all scooballin it's all scuballin. And so listen to me young men this is how you overcome lust. When you look at a pretty girl that's not yours, that's not for you, it's not your wife, you know what that is? A sexy turd. That's what it is. You don't want it, it's not for you. That's scubauling. I don't care how pretty she is, if she isn't yours, scubauling. Scoobauling. Some of the single ladies are just looking around. Yep, scubauling. Scoobauling, scubauling. Scoo ballin'. Some of you, oh Lord, why don't you give me more money? You know why? That car you can't afford, that's an expensive turd. You're driving a scooballin'. You drove a in to church today. A big turd mobile. Paul says, that's ballin. You know, I actually went out to lunch with someone who interviewed me and they commented on, you drive a Subaru. They insulted my car. <laughs> they said, I thought, I thought megachurch pastors drive really fancy cars. is Scooballin'. I like my Subaru. You don't have to like it. I'm not into that. Some of you, the car you drive, you're Scooballin' turd, you're leasing a turd. You can't even afford the turd you drive. Some of you guys you know all that food you that you know you shouldn't be eating? Oh, this year's the year I'm gonna get rid of this. <laughs> okay, there's no verse in the Bible that says you should look like Buddha, amen? <laughs> you know what that chocolate cake is? It's a chocolate-covered turd. <laughs> it's not for you. It's not for you. You see, we need to learn to look at what the world offers, and we need to reject it in comparison to what Jesus offers. You think, oh, Pastor Matt, I don't, the Bible says we shouldn't use profanity. Isn't it interesting that when Jesus says, do not say to your brother, Raka, he doesn't say, don't use the R word. (laughs) He didn't say, don't say, Raka. He just said it. You see, the profanity that bothers God is the words that you use to describe a person created in his image. But when you use a profane word to describe something that is profane, it is accurate. It is accurate. And so just like Jesus used the real word raka, the apostle Paul uses a real word called skubalin. And he says, some of you, some of you are fallen for holy crap rather than the holy God. And this is the holy shift that we all need. So we all need to ask right now today, when I look at my life, are these things that I'm asking for, the, the, are these things that I'm praying for, is this a gift from God or is this a turd from the world? Because some of you guys can't tell the difference. Your sniffers broke. You can't smell it. You're like, yeah, I lost my, lost my sense of smell with COVID. Well, you need to pray it comes back. Because some of you are like, God, I don't know why you keep doing this to me. God's like, I don't know why you keep falling in love with turds. So if you're single... Man, you don't need to want to be married so bad that you'll marry a turd. Don't do it. Married couples don't invite anything into your relationship that's a turd. Why is it smelling here? I don't know. I remember one time when I was a kid, I thought my daughter stepped in the dog poop and she was running throughout the house. And I was chasing her, she's a runner. I caught her, I was going to spank her butt. You know, you shouldn't spank, that's another sermon. I flipped her upside down, I looked on her shoes, there was no poop on her shoes, it was on mine. And guess who just ran all through the house on our brand new carpet with turd on their feet? Oh, that was a fun marriage conversation. So you were gonna discipline our daughter for what was on your shoes? Yes, I'm a Christian leader, that's what we do. Think about your kids, what are they involved in? What are they watching? Some of you have handed them over to turds because you can't discipline and organize your kids. What, you you think your 11-year-old's supposed to regulate? I'm going to eat broccoli for breakfast and I'm going to watch mathematical channels all day long. I'm gonna end the day with prayer, thanking God for you, mom and dad, and how you've blessed me. That doesn't happen. They come out like devils. Your job is to turn them into Christians. You got to learn this. Is, is this. is this a gift from God or is this a turd from the world? And here's the problem. Some of you, all your friends, oh, that's a gift. It's always amazing to me. People say, yeah, well, I've asked a lot of people. They say that to my face. I've asked a lot of people if this is a good idea. I'm like, you didn't ask me. That's a turd. That's a big turd. I need to shift next who I compare myself to. I love this Psalm, Psalms 113, five. Who can be compared to the Lord God? No one, that's why you compare yourself to everyone else. As you go to the gym, you find everybody that's in worse shape than you. Yeah, I'm gonna teach that guy how to use that equipment. You come to church, thank God, I'm not a sinner like that person. Good Lord, I can see her thong, oh jeez. Well, why are you looking at her thong? What are you, what are you doing? So many of you, you come to, me, I, just, I feel like we should have a dress code in church. I, I don't, I feel like we have a higher code in church. It's not about what people wear. It's about where our eyes are. You see, covering people is a Muslim solution. It's not a Christian solution. The Christian solution is covering ourselves with the blood of Christ. And it says, I start treating women as my sister and men as my brother. Who are you comparing yourself to? The Apostle Paul says, man, it's all, it's all sco- balling. Why? He says, I've learned I don't have a righteousness of my own that comes from the law. Do you know what the God of this age is? It's self-righteousness. Whether you're liberal or conservative, whether you're a believer or an atheist, we are all in love with ourselves. That's why when you drive on the freeway, you get irritated when someone else is looking at their phone. And the only reason you noticed is you just put down your phone. Aha! Uh-huh. I got a car that has a camera that watches me and it gets irritated with me. I get irritated with it because it's irritated with me because I'm doing the wrong things. My car freaks out if I don't look forward. I get irritated at it. But boy, I get irritated at other people, right? When they're not paying attention. Man, if someone doesn't immediately put their foot on the gas pedal when the light turns green, I'm gonna pray the Lord judges you. I'm a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And someone could go to hell right now because you've delayed me. (laughs) You know why I think that way? Because I think there's a righteousness that comes from me. You know why you're so irritated with your spouse? Because there's a righteousness that comes from you. If she just thought like me. If he just acted like me. If my kids would just listen to me. Right? Listen to me, our job as parents is not just to reveal our wisdom to our kids, it's to reveal God's wisdom, because we're all his kids. He says, I've learned that there's not a righteousness that comes from me through the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ. Faith in Christ, and think about that. I don't know what it is about us. Some of you, you were lost, you were sinners, you were broken, and you knew it, and you were beautiful and you came to church and you fell in love with yourself. I read my Bible today. I'm gonna go out and judge people in the name of Jesus. What is wrong with us? I mean, you eat a vegetable one day and you're looking everybody down with the french fries. That's not even a real vegetable. What is wrong with us? We fall in love with ourselves. Paul says, I'm done with that. I did that. It doesn't work. I firmly believe it's all lost. And by the way, what is he talking about? Religiosity. God is so impressed with me. Jesus says this. He says, woe to you, you scribes and you Pharisees, you hypocrites, you people who read the Bible and pray every day. Woe to you, for you are like whitewashed tombs, which outwardly appear beautiful but within are full of dead people's bones and all uncleanliness. So you appear outwardly righteous to others, but within you were full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. Man, God didn't care about your face. God cares about your heart. Wouldn't it be great if every morning we woke up, we had a, we had a mirror that showed our heart? Some mornings, I just stare at my face. Does anybody else do that? It's like, did I get in a fight last night? Did Tammy hit me with something in the middle of the night? It's rough, amen? But we don't have a mirror that reflects our heart, do we? God God doesn't care about how you look on the outward appearance. Obviously, look around at us. We all look really different. I saw one of our worship leaders over break. He was snowboarding young man, handsome. I said, dude, if you crash, I said, you better protect your throat and you better protect those hands. We can have ugly worship leaders, amen? But if you can't sing, I can't use you. So when you fall, get an airbag right around your vocal cords, ah! But isn't it funny? We all care about the wrong things. We all care about what matters to us. God cares about your soul. God cares about your heart. Where's your heart today? You see, when we compare ourselves to others, we grow in envy. That's what Enviagram is. And it's all fake. It's all fake. I was looking at somebody's Enviagram, and they were talking about how 2021 was the hardest year of their life. And I just started scrolling through every picture another amazing day, most incredible husband, most beautiful children. Oh, another manicure, another pedicure. Oh, another sunset. I was like, your year looks pretty good on Instagram. Apparently Instagram isn't real. Oh. And some of you are like, you wish you had her life. and She's getting divorced. Oh. You see, when we compare ourselves to others, we grow in envy. Oh, I wish I had that husband. Why don't you thank God for the one you have? That guy's cute, but he don't work. (laughs) You see, when we compare ourselves to others, we grow in envy. But when we compare ourselves to Jesus, listen to me, we grow in conviction. Jesus is the goal. Others are the miss. Well, I don't believe in goals. Then you don't believe in Jesus. What is wrong with us? It's a new year. We have a new opportunity to grow, to get better, to compare ourselves to Jesus, to say what needs to change? What needs to change? What do, where can I become better this year? Where can I grow? I, I am blown away every single year at how much more I need to grow. And I have a list, and I think it's exhaustive. And then my wife has a list, and it's, it's even longer. <laughs> this next point is, is hard, and I'm sorry. I'm not that sorry, because I wrote it. <laughs> I need to shift my view of suffering and difficulty. What is Paul saying in Philippians? Why does he consider everything lost? Why? Does he consider everything rubbish, scubalin, whatever word you want to put in there? Translate scubalin, whatever grosses you out most. That's what the world has to offer in comparison to Jesus. Philippians 3.10, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. This is pro- I bet you nobody has this verse tattooed on their bodies. <laughs> and I may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. You see, we all want resurrection, amen? The only way you're resurrected is if you die. There's no Sunday without Friday. When's the last time you died to something? When's the last time you died to your urges, to your desires, to your impulses? And let me just tell you something. All you old people that are judging the young people, you say, well, uh, that's just a young person's thing. Let me tell you something. Lust does get easier as you get older, amen? It does. Discipline never does. Never does. I mean, some of you old people, if I said take a walk, you'd you'd lose your faith. (coughs) Oh, Oh, oh my gosh. What am I gonna do about my lazy boy? Burn it. Burn it. Jesus walked everywhere. You walk nowhere. Some of you lose your faith in God if you can't get a parking space right up front. I'm not even gonna go to a church today. I have to walk to the Lord's house? Because you lack discipline. You see, the sin may change, but discipline is the only thing that makes the sin change. That's it. That was good. Write that down. The sin may change, because some of you missed it, But the only way we change sin is through discipline. It's why the fruit of the Spirit is self-discipline and self-control. Listen to me, I learned a long time ago. I'm gonna control my body, or my body is gonna control me. And some of you have surrendered your lives to your body. And your body doesn't give a lick about your soul. So what do we do? We endure suffering. How, How do we do this? by finding meaning, that's how we do it, by finding meaning. I don't don't know why you're suffering. I don't know why you're going through hardship, but I know this, God wants to teach you something in it. Listen to what the text says. God's word says that suffering will increase our prayer life. Listen, this is so good. It says this, Are any of you suffering hardships? You should pray. Are any of you happy? You should sing praises. You know what that means? If you had a good day, praise God. you had a bad day, pray to God. Let me tell you something. I know so many of our our parents, you're you're raising young kids and it's, you know, if you're raising kids zero to five, you have no idea how close to hell you are. Um, But here's the thing is, things do get better until they get driver's licenses. And let me just tell you something. Every time my kids call me, I get a little squiball in. I'm like, oh. Because parents of adult children, why do kids call? It's not because, hey dad, everything's great. Why do they call? Something's gone wrong. Now here's the thing. I'm still glad my kids called. Because I'm their dad. If it wasn't for suffering, none of you, some of you would never call God. So why does God allow suffering? So you pick up the phone. Dad, my life's falling apart again. So when life is great, praise God, praise God, praise God. And when life is terrible, pray to God. That's James. James. And just know this, whatever it is that you're going through that's terrible, this too shall pass. And if your life is awesome, this too shall pass. (laughs) Suffering increases my prayer life, amen? It does. I don't pray in a plane when it's smooth. That plane starts jumping, oh man, I am as holy as Jesus, dude. I am praying for everyone. Praying for the pilot, salvation of everybody on board, my own faith. You, your kids—it's powerful, dude. That plane is smooth. I'm watching a movie, kicking back, you know, eating the free nuts that they give out. It's great. Next, suffering grows my faith. First Peter two twenty one: For God called you to do good, even if it means suffering. Just as Christ suffered for you, He is your example, and you must follow in His steps. He didn't promise that life would be easy. He promised he would be with you when life isn't easy. And let me tell you something. We don't don't look forward to suffering, but a mature Christian learns to embrace it. A couple years ago, I was doing a Spartan race. It was a 12-mile Spartan race up at Big Bear. And for those of you who aren't in Southern California, Big Bear is about 7,000 feet elevation. 12-mile race. And I did this with a couple of my buddies. And the best part of the whole race was when I passed a bunch of 20-year-olds from our church. (laughs) It's the best part. Like on my deathbed, I will remember those poor fools. <laughs> and here's the thing, as I passed them, I said, Pastor Matt, this race is so hard. Our legs are hurting. I said, my legs were hurting when I woke up this morning. <laughs> you see, that's what maturity is. Maturity is learning to work with the hurt. And some of are you young people, are like, oh, I need a latte. No, you need to just suck it up. I don't feel like this job exercises my passions. Does this job always exercise my passions? No. That's the best day of my life, past those 20 year olds. <laughs> Hebrews 5 even though Jesus was God's son, listen, he learned obedience from the things he suffered. When I was in my early 30s, I had a, a lump in my throat, and they thought it was uh, throat cancer. And I had to have surgery. And the day before surgery, and it turned out not to be cancer. I always share the story and forget to say that. It wasn't cancer. I'm still here. But Rick Warren, pastor of one of the largest churches in the United States, wrote Purpose Driven Life. He, he sent me an email and he said, God is with you. Learn whatever you can during this time. And I was so mad at him. I wanted a purpose driven punch him in the face. I put that in my book, but they, they, they pulled it out. <laughs> but you know what? He was right. And I was wrong. I don't know what you're going through, a divorce, cancer. I don't know if you've lost your job. I don't know. Some of you lost your minds. And you, some of you who've lost your minds, you don't know it yet, but the rest of us know it. And we love you. <laughs> but here's the thing you need to know. God is with you. Learn whatever you can during this time. Last shift I need to make and this, 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 is, this is really what this message is all about. I've been challenging your perspective for the last 30 minutes. The last shift, and this is the most important perspective that needs to change for you today. This is the holy shift. Without this, nothing changes. I need to shift my attention to the reality, listen to me, of eternity. One of my favorite actors is Keanu Reeves. And the thing I like about him is he always plays himself. It doesn't matter what the movie is, he's just always that guy in a, on, on, a, on a bus that's gonna crash and blow up. <laughs> but Keanu Reeves, he's a good guy. You, you've never heard any scandals about him, him doing anything. You know, he, he, he spent most of his life on a motorcycle living out of hotels with a suitcase, has donated hundreds of millions of dollars of his salary to research. This last movie, heard the movie was terrible, but his heart's good. He donated like $70 million to cancer research. And you say, wow, what a guy. Let me tell you why Keanu Reeves does that. Because he doesn't believe in eternity. He believes that when you die and the lights go out, you are gone forever. And so Keanu Reeves gives as much money as he can to help people live as long as they can. Because he believes, listen to me, that's all there. Is. How sad. He's a beautiful, wonderful human being who is wrong about eternity. Did you know for all of human history? Whether your ancestors are from Africa, Europe, Asia, even some of the tribes in Australia, the Aborigines, who were isolated from any other people for thousands of years. Even natives living in the Amazon jungle, who had never seen another race of people. For all of human history, none of those people groups believed that when you died, that was it. Oh, no, only us smarty pants people has figured out a way not to believe in eternity. Solomon says this, yet God has made everything beautiful for its time. He has planted eternity in the human heart. There is an eternity. There is life after death. And this is why the apostle Paul says, nothing in this temporary life can compare to what Jesus is offering for eternity. Philippians 311, that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Have you had that shift in your life where you've believed? This entire church at Philippi starts with a conversation with the Apostle Paul and a group of women. I love this for those of us who are in Riverside, down at the Riverside. There wasn't even enough Jewish men in the town of Philippi to have a synagogue. So the Apostle Paul went out on a nature hike and found some Jewish women who gathered together to pray to God. Acts 16, 14, and one of them was Lydia. Her name was Lydia. She was a powerful woman. She was a businesswoman. She was a woman of means. She had done well for herself. She was a merchant of expensive purple cloth who worshiped God, but she didn't know Jesus. Paul says she listened to us. Listen to this. And the Lord opened her heart. That's a holy shift. Has God opened your heart? And she accepted what Paul was saying. And she asked that her whole household would be baptized. And she asked us to be her guests. She said, if you agree that I'm a true believer in the Lord Jesus, she said, come and stay at my home. And she urged us until we agreed. And that's where the church of Philippi began with the holy shift in one woman's heart. Has your heart shifted? Has your heart changed? I know 2022 is starting off just as scary as 2021 and just as scary as 2020. One of my favorite verses in the Bible is found in John 14 and Jesus says, do not let your hearts be troubled. He says, trust in God, trust also in me. Listen to this, he says, for in my father's house, there are many rooms and behold, I go to prepare a place for you. Did you know that there's a place for you in heaven? There's a room for you in heaven. But you only, you only get to live there forever if you invite Jesus into your heart? Have you made that shift? Have you repented of your sins and believed on the name of the Lord Jesus? In just a second, I'm gonna pray over you and give you a chance to make this shift in your life. And here's what I want you to do, I want you to pray. And then if you're at a campus, I want you to go up and tell somebody, your campus pastor or somebody in front of you. If you're online, I want you to let the online host know, I just gave my life to Jesus because he's planted eternity in my heart. And the Holy Spirit has confirmed that Jesus is the son of God. And I'm ready to turn from my sins and turn my life over to Jesus. I'm done with this scooballing. And I'm ready to serve the one true king. Would you bow your head and close your eyes? Here's the truth, every single one of us needs to make a shift in this moment. Holy Spirit, would you just open our hearts like you opened Lydia's heart to the shift and change that we need to make. For those of us who are believers, where's the scooballin' that we've fallen in love with that we need to let go of? And for those of us who are far from God, Holy Spirit, would you open our hearts to the truth of Jesus Christ? Would you help us believe right now in this moment just like you helped Lydia? Help us, Holy Spirit, to turn from our sin and to believe in Jesus. If you're ready to open your heart, if you're ready to turn, would you just pray with me? You can pray this silently in your own words. God, I believe in Jesus. I'm ready to turn from my sin and turn to you. I'm done with scooballing, And I am living for eternity this day forward. Lord Jesus, I invite you into my heart just like you came into Lydia's heart. And I ask you to create a holy shift in my mind, in my heart, in my life, and in my soul. I give my life to you right now. I pray this in Jesus' holy name, amen.